please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug and Jesse King. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org radio, and this week we have a very exciting show. I mean, Jesse and I have been really looking forward to this one ever since we heard that we were getting our special guests lined up, and I'm not going to steal the thunder right off the bat because we have two guests in studio right now with us, and of course, Mr. Jerry Henry, the executive director of GCO, is here to introduce our special guest who uh, is well-known to most of the GCO community, and I know that we have a lot of listeners who are you know, GCO members and life members and who join up every year and who are excited and work at the gun shows, but we also reach a lot of people who aren't as familiar with GCO and a lot of his backstory and history, and and this is an important segment of the beginnings of GCO, the way things got started, the the first real legislative victories and battles that were fought, and I think that this show is going to be really important for people to remember what happened and to hear maybe for the first time the, the struggles that GCO went through to get things where they are today. So thank you for joining us, Jerry. We appreciate having you in studio. Thank you for having me. Uh, today I'd like to introduce one of my favorite people, uh, not only as an ex-legislator or while well, he was a legislator, but he's he and I join each other at, the, at Gumbo's in Douglasville every once in a while for lunch. Tim Bearden was elected in 2004 as state representative for District 67? 68. 68, I'm sorry, 68. Uh, and he served from 2005 to 2011. He Then after that, he was appointed to be the director of the uh, Georgia Public Safety Training Center down in Forsyth. And in 2000, and well, earlier this year, he resigned to go into uh, private sector. Tim, the reason that it's very important for you to hear this story is Tim was one of the main guys that helped us get our foothold in the state capitol. He was our first Legislator of the Year winner in 2008 for HB the passage of HB 89. Now, I'm going to let him tell the rest of the story, and I'll just chime in and be quiet. Well, first of all, I want to say I appreciate you having me here today. Quite welcome. Uh, you want to know a little bit of the backstory to my working with GCO. It's a kind of a comical story because what a lot of people don't remember House Bill 89 started out as a very simple bill, or at least in my mind it was a simple bill. And then I learned no gun bill is a simple bill in the legislature. Um, But that bill really started out just allowing law-abiding citizens to carry a firearm anywhere in the car. Um, If you remember, before this bill, it had to be in plain and full view or in the glove box. Unless you had a permit, then you could keep it anywhere in the car. Mm Mm-hmm. That didn't make sense to me. If you're a law-abiding citizen, the car is an extension of your home. You should be able to carry the firearm you want to. Well, that little bit of language stirred up a ton of controversy. So I'll never forget, I was sitting in the uh, committee room, Judiciary Non-Civil. At that time, it was chaired by Chairman David Ralston, who's now Speaker David Ralston and a huge Second Amendment supporter. And as the people are testifying on the bill... They call the name Ed Stone, GeorgiaCarry.org. Well, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, well, is he for us or against us? I don't know who this guy is or this organization. And then after listening to Ed, he got done giving his testimony. He got up, 
went out the back room where I immediately got up, went around through the office, went down the hallway and caught him. I said, Ed, I said, Tim Bearden, don't know who you are. Never heard of this organization because at the time, the NRA was truly the only game in town. Mm-hmm. And uh, we started talking. I don't think he told me there was only four or six members at the time. <laughs> he just told me we were a gun rights organization. And that's really where the uh, relationship began was in the hallway of the first floor of the Capitol outside of room 132 of Judiciary 9 Civil. I believe we also have it on tape where uh, the chairman of the committee at that time, Speaker Ralston, when Ed Stone introduced himself, said, I'm president of GeorgiaCarry.org, David Ralston said, what's the name of your organization? We and all he told said him that. again, and he said, I don't think I've ever heard of y'all. Well, I think he has now. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, and, and that's really one of the exciting things is to see how things have changed so dramatically in such oh, yes. a short period of time. Yes. I mean, you, you, we're here we're hearing about how nobody in the committee knew about GeorgiaCarry.org, mm-hmm. but that's not true anymore. No, it's not true. It's um, by far the most powerful gun group in the state of Georgia. I even said, I think it's still on the website where I made the comment, they did more in one year than some organi- organizations done in ten and sometimes we get spoiled on on success, mm-hmm. but what Georgia Carey has been allowed to do seems like every term is to either come up with a good gun bill or prevent bad gun bills from getting through the legislature. And that's very <laughs> integral with our members is because our members get involved mm-hmm. and they call the legislators and they go, look, this isn't going to work. Make the changes Georgia Carey once made. That's what will work. Well, the great thing is with Georgia Carey is the members – are very well versed. They understand the Second Amendment. They're very polite and professional when they're speaking to the legislators, and that goes a long way. Yes, it it's a lot better than if you don't do it our way, <clears throat> we're going to just put right. you on Facebook and just slam you left and right. right. They're very professional. They know what they're talking about, and it makes things a lot easier when you're going through the process. And when I talked to Ed, I said this was a very simple bill in the beginning. Because I was like a lot of people. I thought Georgia was a really gun-friendly state. I was badly mistaken. And as I talked to a lot of people, legislators uh, and people. I I guess the eye-opener for me, and I even used it when I was speaking from the well on the bill, was the maps that Georgia Carey produced from the website. I had all those printed off, and I think y'all brought them to me, and showing all the green and all the red states of what was allowed and what was not allowed in Georgia being red read every time that it was not allowed to, for this type of gun rights in the state of Georgia. And it was a real eye-opener, not just me, but I think to the other folks in the legislature and the citizens that was seeing this bill move forward. And I'll talk a little bit more when y'all want to about how that bill grew. Well, that's, and that's what exactly all happened. Yeah, where that, I wanted to go it. next. was <clears throat> well, it, it did grow in, sure in did. surprising ways. One of the things that I wanted to point out at this time, too, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you were one of the people that we met with who were gun-friendly legislators, senators and legislators, and you gave us a lot of good advice, which we followed and we still follow today. Part of what you said a while ago was be polite, know what you're talking about. And one thing that I think is very important, you said you are not going to get everything back in one fell swoop. You happen. didn't lose it in one swoop. You will not get it back in one swoop. You ask for everything that you want, you fight for everything that you you want, and then you accept what they give you or what they agree to 
so long as you don't take any steps backwards. And that's what we have done. Well, that's a key, key component of everything with the legislature. There's so many different moving parts. Uh, I had friends that's still there that are Democrats. That there's no way I could win in their district. There's no way they could win in my district at the time. But we was able to keep a friendship, have an open dialogue, and try to convince them to come on board with the gun bill because this is – you just don't represent one party or one group. As a state legislature, you represent all 50,000 people in your district, and you try to do the best for them and do what's best for the state of Georgia while keeping in mind our Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of Georgia. If it don't fall in line with those two things, automatically that was a no vote for me. We're not going to do something that we felt was unconstitutional or against the grain of the founding of this great country. And one of the most ingrained things in this country is the right to keep and bear arms. It's amazing to me people don't realize the importance that First Amendment for free speech, freedom of religion, which I won't get into that. But anyway, <laughs> um, then right after that, you got the Second Amendment, because without the Second, none of the other rights stand on their own. They well, cannot stand without the Second. L- let me ask you kind of a broader based question here, Tim, because, you know, we, we're talking a lot about Second Amendment rights and Georgia Carey. And when we come back from our commercial break, I really want to, to kind of delve into more deeply what what, is it, what does it take to be a good lobbyist? And I, I don't mean like a professional lobbyist, but <clears throat> when people approach you, I mean, I, I, I'm way back when I worked in the legislature myself, and I know that you get a lot of phone calls, you get a lot of emails, you get snail mail, you get people come to your door. And I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about what is the most effective way to be with a legislature to contact them, and and does it you know kind of snowball? Is it good to do all of it, or is it more effective to do one or the other? So, well, we'll definitely touch base on that. But one thing I want to wanted to say, since you used the word lobbyist, I think another very important part of that whole bill process was John Thomas and William Woodall right. stepping up to the plate, who are lobbyists at the Capitol. Uh, John and William, uh, I know John definitely represented the NRA at one time. Yeah. And at that point, he wasn't. And so he had a lot of knowledge from the past. And they really did a good job, uh, both on very level-headed, calm people. And they were trusted by the legislature because we knew that the information we were getting was good information. Whether it be good or bad about the bill, they was going to tell you all sides of it. It was so, uh, so it was very important, I think, that they stepped up to the plate and really helped out Georgia Carey at that time, too. All right. And that's what we've done as for our members. We have tried to make lobbyists out of them. Well, we, we are coming up on our commercial break, folks, so stay tuned. We'll be right back with Tim Bearden and Executive Director Jerry Henry right here on GeorgiaCarry.org radio. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. We're in studio today with Tim Bearden and, of course, Executive Director Jerry Henry to talk about the legislative process and some of the history behind GeorgiaCarry.org's you know, triumph in House Bill 89, which was a, a watershed moment in the history of gun rights here in Georgia. So, Tim, when we took the break, we were talking a little bit about what is the most effective way to talk to your legislature? The most effective way to speak to them is face to face. It's a, um, that's a, they're usually pretty small districts. Until you really get in South Georgia, they have multiple counties just because of population. But 
for my district, it was just part of Carroll County, a small section of Douglas County. Very easy to make a phone call, email. Can we meet you for breakfast, for coffee, for lunch? Can we just meet with you at some point and talk with you? Legislators have no problem, or they shouldn't have any problem whatsoever, sitting down with any of their constituents, uh, Republican, Democrat, Independent, no matter what. Um, I talked to a lot of people, and at the end of the day, I would hear, appreciate you calling us. We just don't see eye to eye. That's fine. We're not going to see eye to eye on every issue, and especially when you're getting into what a lot of people consider controversial issues like gun legislation or immigration or abortion, things like that. You're not going to see eye to eye to everybody. But you stand on your principles to the Constitution, to what you believe in is best for your district, for the best for the state, and you push that legislation and you explain yourself to why you're supporting this legislation. And again, you may not always agree, but at least you have dialogue and you can always come back because you never know who you disagree with today may be one of your biggest supporters for a bill that you have tomorrow. And that's that's, that's another question that kind of comes from this is have you, I mean, in your career, have you had those experiences where you've had people come and talk to you face-to-face and they really changed your opinion on something? There's been many occasions where I've talked to a constituent so have stories that really relates to a certain issue that you may not have thought about or that you didn't see that opens your eyes to why this is an important issue. Um, one of the ones that me and Jerry was talking about earlier was a um, bill we worked on that had to deal with nutrition, hydration, and end of life. Um, that was a huge moment in Florida, the Marie Chavo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sponsored a bill that dealt specifically with that. So there are many things that happen throughout a legislator's career. And, and that's part of being open-minded. you got to be open-minded because there might be something that comes along that will change your mind on a certain issue. And you got to be able to make those changes if you need to, not just because the political wind is blowing that way, but because you truly believe in that in that issue. And on the other side of that, our members need to understand that even if your representative or senator is not a pro-gun person, you should still contact them. They should still know who you are because there are other things that will affect you in this state that you may need their help on. Sure. And plus the fact there are times when it comes along where they're not really against a gun bill they're not really for it but i've got five friends over here that have really been nice to me this whole time and i've got to make a decision do i want to vote with them or against them and i'll I'll just vote for them because they're friends they've been nice to them i'll kind of a you know scratch my back type thing when we see bills that get unanimous votes i mean it's not always that that bill is the greatest bill since sliced bread it's sometimes that there isn't a lot of you know political will one way or the other and yet we see you know the legislature come together to support an idea right the old saying that all legislation is local is true and a lot of those have a lot of the bills have a lot of local meaning to them and unless it's just something totally outside of the box you usually go ahead and support that legislation now if it's going to try to grow government or overstep its bounds then of course you're going to vote against it and there are a lot of votes in the legislature but there's very few like the budget vote that you got to really be particular to see if something's being snuck in uh that's the thing i hate about days 39 and day 40 those last two days <laughs> i would get to the capitol at 5 30 in the morning and start reading bills either coming through my committee or bills that were going to be on the floor and stay late at night reading those bills, especially on day 39 and 40, because you don't know what the conference committee may have put in there. And you better be careful because the citizens have 
they should hold you responsible for that red or green vote, how you vote. So, so you better make sure you know what you're reading and what you're voting on. You're not a proponent of we have to pass it so you can see what's in it. <laughs> uh, by no, no, no stretch of imagination whatsoever. Uh, I always think some bills should be limited in size and scope. Uh, in Georgia, of course, it's got to be germane. It's got to at least be part of the issue on the feds. I think anything can go into any bill, and I think that's a dangerous precedent. Such as carrying guns in a national park on a credit card bill? Well, you know... Yeah. Uh, that's how we got it. <laughs> well, I'm glad you mentioned uh, parks. As, you know, We can look at how that 89 yeah. grew, because parks was one of them that, mm-hmm. we, that bill expanded into, but when it comes to citizens working with our legislature, legislators are citizens. They're people. Now, did you just say that the credit card bill is what caused us to not be able to carry in no, a national which, park? which is what allowed us to carry in the national parks. Oh, on the that was level. a rider on the bill. They, the so they slid that in. Yes. you got to love it when they do something that's Comfort. benefiting us that they slide <laughs> in there. But they slide in a lot of stuff that's not so beneficial. <laughs> that, that's why it's so scary. That was one of the things that we were talking about when we were looking for the good, the bad, and the ugly this week was some the Democrats are complaining that the Republicans are sliding in too many things to the appropriations bills right. that are pro-gun, and they want to have an honest debate on it and not have it just slid yeah. in anymore because you know when they were doing it, it was fine. But now that it's uh, the shoe's on the other foot, it seems to be just unfair and Two despicable. Two words, executive order. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we got parks and HB 89. Yeah, and there should be honest debate on every bill. I mean, they should be open and the floor should be allowed to speak and have those bills vetted from every level of government. But, um, you know, when we discuss House Bill 89 from that simple bill to adding things in like the Bloomberg Amendment, so to make sure that a mayor of a big city can send someone down to Georgia, so to speak, and try to get a straw buyer to purchase a firearm from from a seller and get them on a weapons violation so uh we try to make sure we uh prevented that in there and made it a felony uh again carrying in parks and historic sites and recreational areas uh, that really came about because of an absolute tragedy with um meredith meredith emerson um when when she was killed and i think it was a state park if i'm not mistaken Um, and and that was brought in there because when you think about state parks or historic sites there there could be long distances of isolated areas you may be by yourself mm-hmm. may not see no one for a long time and in my opinion everywhere is a good place for law-abiding citizens to be allowed to carry but in those areas where you have no one around you or long isolated areas that even makes more sense to make sure people are allowed to protect themselves and are you saying signs don't work Gun-free zone signs don't work. Is well, that what sure worked to keep. They the don't shooter. work. They don't work for law-abiding citizens. <laughs> right. I will tell you that much. It sure worked to keep that shooter out of that theater in Colorado, didn't yeah, it? it? Sure did. Signs. Only thing it does is tell a criminal. There's unarmed people right. here. There, there's no one that's going to be there to yeah. confront them if they right. decide to right. go on a shooting spree. Unfortunately, uh, we've seen the statistics where over the last ten years, those. Occurrences are happening more and more. Mm-hmm. I think they're averaging about seven in per year at the beginning of the survey, and by the end of the survey, it was like 16 per year. Um, people have the right to defend themselves and protect themselves and their families. And once again, it's a right, which doesn't mean that we're going to tell you you have to carry, but you have the right to carry. 
And I think that's the most important thing people's got to understand. We're not telling you what you can or cannot do, but you have that right. Um, and going back to the bill, bill again, to how it even grew, we had the so-called drop the chicken wing and get shot section in the in the bill where they didn't want you to carry a firearm in a restaurant that served alcohol that served alcohol and sadly at that point we was able to get changed you could go into the restaurant but you couldn't drink if you were carrying a concealed weapon at that time but again a small step that got to the point now if you want a glass of wine with your steak you can do that. Now, let's clarify the drop the chicken wing and get shot thing. That was somebody's argument for not having the bill. Correct. That was in the media, I believe. That was, uh, that was the Restaurant Association's complaint. You know, saying they, that. Uh, well, what if waitress dropped somebody's chicken wing? That's, that's exactly what, that's they, what said. they were saying. And they were afraid that their wait staff could be shot because somebody was somebody got a steak that was too rare or too well done. So they might just get mad at the, them and, and uh, draw their gun and shoot them. As well as if somebody dropped a, a chicken wing on the floor, there might be a drawdown over who's going to pick up the chicken wing. It, it was absolutely amazing hearing the comments being said and being printed in some of these areas. Uh, right. And Section 4 was also another important part because it also brought up public transportation, which include right. buses and the airports. Airport, yes. yeah. uh, <laughs> and that was quite interesting for me in my life. Right. But, um, you know, well, then Section 6, real quick, uh, was just – Make sure that the license were delivered in a timely manner. Right. Section 7 was truly NRA language that I was hesitant on until we got some private property rights put into that section. Mm-hmm. It was more of a parking lot right. uh, portion of the bill they was trying to get through as a standalone bill and just couldn't get through at the time. Well, that, was, yeah, one, that was a very frustrating thing going on that year. There was a lot of tension between yes. the bill that was just the parking lot bill versus the bill that was like, everything we had wanted at the right. time right. well it was interesting because i'll never forget we had uh wayne lop here and chris cox right sit on one side of the table me with george Carey on the other side having a major debate about private property rights yep. and uh luckily at the end of the day we was able to come up with language that both groups could accept and it got put in the bill and we was able to pass the bill well, so. we're coming up on another commercial break. So when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about airports. It's okay. that's near and dear to my heart. And we will be right back, folks. You're listening to georgiacarry.org radio. And now back to georgiacarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to georgiacarry.org radio, and we are here in studio with Jerry Henry and Tim Bearden. And when we took our last commercial break, we were kind of chewing through all the things that happened with House Bill 89 back there in 2008 and the way it just changed the world for Georgians everywhere. But one of the most important aspects and one of the best stories coming out of House Bill 89 has to be the airport. Well, it depends who's telling the story. <laughs> well, let's hear your version, Tim. <laughs> it, it was it was comical looking back on it because I'll never forget. I was going down the road with my wife. Phone rings. I don't even know who the reporter was or anything like that. But I just remember them saying, "Atlanta's going to make the airport a gun-free zone tomorrow, July first. They're going to do it." And I said, "They can't. It's preemption. They can't do it." Mm-hmm. And he said, "Well, they said they're going to do it. What's your thoughts?" I just happened to have family flying in from Maine. I said, I guess I'll see them tomorrow because I'll be there picking up my family with the airport. And I think the question was, are you going to be carrying your gun? Well, of course I would be. 
Well, as soon as I hung up the phone, I'm, I feel this stare coming from my wife. And I look over, and I was like, what? She said, do you think you should have said what you just said? They're going to be ready and for I, you. And I started laughing. I was like, oh, I was just messing around. But three hours later, I get another call, same reporter saying, uh, Atlanta saying they're going to arrest you on site. I was like, uh-oh, we have a problem. <laughs> you know? So uh, sure enough, I didn't sleep much that night. Got up first thing in the morning, went to the local convenience store. Hoping to see something, maybe just a metro section and top of the page, you know, showdown at the airport. I'm like, my gosh, what's John Monroe's phone number? So uh, call John. He said, listen, they already made the threat. We're going to handle it with a lawsuit. And nothing good could have came out of me going to the airport with a firearm, period. Um, There was too much tension in the air. It needed to de-escalate, and we de-escalated the situation from our end. We said, there's no way we're going to do it. We're not going to put myself, my family in that situation. Let's de-escalate, turn this over to John Monroe, Georgia Carey. We'll file the lawsuit. So What, uh, they, what they did was they, they declared, we still had the public gathering at that time, and they declared the airport to be a public gathering. And uh, the lawsuit against them, they agreed with him on it, that, that it was, in fact, a public gathering. <clears throat> However... That's not what the law said. As a matter of fact, I believe in court they told him that that's not what the bill meant. The airport's and he a said, public I gathering? wrote it. It was at that time. Not anymore. Well, but that, in 2008, after we passed this bill, then we said we can carry it to the airport. The city of Atlanta said, no, you can't. And they declared it to be a public gathering. I mean, I'm sorry. I was about to say, you know, most people always try to wonder what was the legislative intent of a bill. Here was a great opportunity to have the legislator who drafted the bill to give you the legislative intent of the legislation. And uh, I said they made the courts made their decision, and due to the hard work again from Georgia Kerry, uh, Mitch Seaball in the Senate at the time, the following term with Senate Bill 308, we finally right. got that uh, that taken care care of. Got, so, the, got the public gathering. Uh, well, you know repeal. that I was at that hearing when when the um, federal judge was denying you your ability to talk about what legislative intent. I, I was. I can understand kind of like the broader logic that you as one legislator aren't the entire will of the legislature, but to disregard it I thought was just absolutely Mm -hmm. ludicrous. And here we are, you know, the next year looking at House Bill 308 or Senate Bill 308 coming in and changing the public gathering. And this was the impetus. This was the reason that we were able to get that through. And so it seemed like a, a downside at the beginning, but... Here we go seeing a huge upside the very next year because it gave momentum to an idea that public gatherings were being abused. And yep. that's really what we saw here was an abuse of that language. Well, there was a lot of work involved in 89 and a lot of work involved in 308. And every year that we've had something to come up on the to not give back because – Governments cannot give rights they can take away, but to restore mm-hmm. the rights that we have, Georgia Carey is leading the charge every time, and it, it, it's such an important organization. Now, I'm going to throw a plug out, Georgia Carey. You don't just need to become a member when your th- rights are threatened. There's a lot of work going on behind the scenes to make sure that your they're rights playing, aren't threatened. That's right? right, and there's a lot of defense being played played out there too, and they do a great job on either side of the side of the field and it's amazing to have this organization with us and you know working closely now with nra we're getting a lot of stuff done a lot of things prevent it from ever coming to the floor on either chamber it's only twenty dollars a year 
And the $20 a year for my membership is completely worth it to me to know that there's somebody working on my behalf all the time. Well, it was worth it for me back in 2008, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. but Well, it's nice to go down to some of the hearings. Uh, most of our gun bills now are heard in, in uh, uh, Public Safety and Homeland Security Committee. Uh, prior to that, they were in the House Judiciary non-civil, as Tim said. But it's nice to go into one of these meetings and you see an orange gun saves lives buttoned on about 12 or 14 people in the committee yeah you know that you're you you know you get a good feeling about something that if it yeah. gets knocked down there's a definite reason it's knocked down that doesn't mean they're going to vote with us all the time but that means that that we have contacted these people we have made friends with them they understand if they have questions they know where to come get the answers but you know the fight's never over you always got to be aware to what's going on in the legislature either on the state level federal level i think corps of engineers is one that right. we brought up that could be done easily on the federal level saying that you can carry on corps of engineer property um one of the things i would like to see is the federal government actually do a law that says it's, if you have a permit you can go anywhere in the nation to any other state my yeah. right does not stop at a state line so that should be the same so, as it is with the driver's license right. you know exactly. i have a driver's license and it doesn't stop me from driving anywhere in the united states and even canada and uh, all the way up to alaska which is part of the united states but i can go into other countries with that mm-hmm. i can't go across state lines with my weapons carry permit mm-hmm. in some states south carolina being an example i just find that asinine <laughs> and let me make sure i clarify i don't want to see a federal license no. i just want to make sure yeah. it's says if you have a state license, you can go anywhere. And just like you want to, exactly. You know, I don't have a federal driver's license. I, Correct. I have right. a North. I have well, I had a North Carolina one. I have a Georgia state driver's license now, but I should be able to drive wherever I want. The same should apply with my Georgia state carry license. And the feds have already opened that up for police officers and said that if you have peace officer credentials, you can carry anywhere, no matter what, because you say your credentials carry. So it would not be that big of a stretch to make the same right available to every law-abiding citizen instead of just a protected class but it would create so much heartburn in the gun prohibitionist lobbies yeah for sure (laughs) they can buy some (laughs) alka-seltzer well you know and we're talking about house bill 89 and and the aftermath of it i mean it it led to senate bill 308 it led to so many changes and it really got georgia Carey's foot in the door in the legislature in a way that now we see people in the committees wearing the buttons whereas on the days of those hearings i I remember going to some of the first hearings and watching half the committee get up and walk out because who are these people and why do we care and and that has just been a night and day difference and after uh 89 passed i remember georgia Carey had a little bit of a shindig for it too yes we did in fact that well now there were a couple of shindigs one one was we went to a pizza place in marietta and i forget the guy's name i wish i remember crisco's okay we went there and we had a pizza party and had the news media there on tv saying all these people are going in here with guns nobody got shot but you know they were well i don't want to go in there with my kid if they got all those guns you know and Absolutely nothing happened. Just like every time we passed a bill, nothing bad has happened. You know, it's funny that I... It just gets safer and safer for you to walk on the street. We see these articles about how gun ownership is down. That was one of our ugly one week. 
which is pure baloney because mm-hmm. we then I find an article today that says that the manufacturing of firearms in the United States has increased by 128% over the past few years it has, since 2008. It has increased the revenue to the federal government by over 128% of what it was in 2009. And that wow. would mean that gun sales okay. have not decreased. It's just the reporting well, of and there was also There was also <laughs> a story yesterday uh, about a survey that said that uh, 63% of the people in the United States now say that the right to keep and bear arms is more important than gun control. And that's where I was headed with so, that, is now we have articles that say that it's more important to keep and bear arms. Second Amendment should take precedence over gun control. And I'm seeing a, a, a kind of change in thinking, and I like it. Oh, I agree with that. <laughs> Very important. Well, I mean, you look at other countries that has done gun control or just removed guns saying they're illegal. Australia. Yep. Crime rates go out the roof. Well, they right. had that guy in Australia that, that – held people hostage right. in a, in a choc- chocolatier and okay that didn't stop him from acting yeah. a fool and their guns were supposed to be illegal in the whole country yep. well go go <laughs> google uh guns in china confiscated guns in china and see how many they destroyed in 2012 i believe i mean it was several hundred thousand and tons of black powder from a country that allows absolutely no firearms but they had a train full of firearms that they had confiscated from their people. Now, somebody could have got shot it's with one of those. the honest people that suffer from all these laws, right. not the criminals. Correct. And I said, it's something you got to be aware all the time, anytime you're dealing with local, state, federal governments to make sure that your rights are protected. And I'll say kudos again to Georgia Carey. It's nice to have an organization out there that is keeping an eye, especially on the state level, and making sure counties are obeying those same rules under right. a preemption, it's so nice to have that organization there to make sure that those rights are being protected. Now, are we still going to have a little bit of transitional period after these laws have passed? Of course. We have counties that are still having trouble getting those Georgia weapons carry licenses out on time. I saw an, uh, a complaint yesterday on Facebook where somebody was having trouble getting theirs. Mm-hmm. But I say if you're having that problem... Get yourself an attorney and fight it. And There's make remedy. them obey their own laws, yeah, too. Yeah, at least we have remedies now. We have ways to yep. make people comply. Uh, I know we're coming up on another commercial break very shortly, folks. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this break uh, to talk a little bit more with Mr. Bearden and to do the good, the bad, and the ugly for this week. You're listening to GeorgiaCarryRadio.org. Back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. And you're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org radio. This week we've had a great show with Tim Beard and being here to talk about, you know, the tr- great triumphs of House Bill 89, how it led to Senate Bill 308, and all of the changes that we've seen here in the legislature in Georgia over the past seven, eight years. And looking ahead, you know, we've got a bright future here, and most of it is because of the hard work of GeorgiaCarry.org members. And if you've been listening to this radio broadcast, you know, either online or on a local station, and you say, hey, you know, I really want to become a GeorgiaCarry.org member, it's a very simple process. All you have to do is go to www.georgiacarry.org and click join in the top corner, and poof, 
$20 later, you are a member. You're getting the emails. You're getting a, a nice membership card that you can display to anyone who you want to you know, show your allegiance to. And it helps you get involved. And if you don't have Internet access, if you're listening to this over the radio station and you don't have access through the website or you don't want to use a credit card, just go to any local gun show or most local events. I know, Jesse, you and I were at the Big Shanty Festival this last week and got to hang out at the GeorgiaCarry.org booth for a couple of hours and really enjoy seeing so many people there. I was really thrilled with the booth. We had front row seats for the only flushable toilets at the whole festival. <laughs> and it was That's kinda, a big deal to me. That is important. It was kind of sad that the festival was only one day this year because of the storms, but um, I, I remember the call went out. They said, you know, we've got this booth and we needed a couple extra volunteers. We don't know if we're going to have enough people to I cover it. I volunteered at the last minute. So we volunteered to go and we get there and what were there, eight or nine people in the booth when we got yeah. there? Yeah, I mean people come out of the woodwork yeah, every if it, time. If it had started raining right then, we would have been like sardines and I can under that little tent <laughs> almost as packed as our studio is today with our guests so i mean it's a great opportunity to get out there if you go to a local festival local gun show you can join online and, and find good ways to get involved getting to you can know also go to a local chapter meeting there's chapter meetings all over the area you can find those on facebook under the georgia carry.org um chapters there's one north metro i think south what? metro valdosta and a few others that are popping Mid-state. up state Mid-state. And, yeah, in Dublin. And, those, and we're all, they're also looking at one in, uh, in McDonough. Those okay. chapter meetings are open for everyone that wants to attend. You don't have to be a member, and you can become a member there. That's correct. And I know that the North Metro, which is closest for us, uh, we've been putting some pressure on them to visit a new barbecue spot that Jesse and I went to this last week. Uh, it was very exciting to not only be able to get a good steak and some decent barbecue, but also to be able to buy a handgun right there in the restaurant. In the same mm. restaurant. It is so, a FFL slash barbecue joint. It's called mm. Johnny's. And, um, Powder Springs. Powder Springs, yeah, Powder I've Springs. been there. I'll tell you yeah. what, they got some good barbecue. Yes, they do. So, and <laughs> that kind there. of brings us full circle to talking about restaurant carry in House yeah. Bill 89, because right. now you can buy your gun in the restaurants. Well, Tim and I normally carry in gumbos over in Douglasville, too. So. <laughs> gumbos? At least, at least I do. I don't know about Tim. <laughs> Maybe I need to go to gumbos. Oh, if you like Cajun food. I like Cajun. Oh, uh, I'll get heartburn. I'll, I will regret it for yeah, the next three days. Yeah, but it'll be worth every, it, it every I'll take one of those Alka-Seltzers I've been offering to the legislators. <laughs> it sounds it sounds like fun. And, of course, you know, everyone can reach out to us either um, through the georgiacarry.org website or you can email us at radio at georgiacarry.org or reach out to us through Facebook. I know Jesse and I both have Facebook pages. If you have comments, questions, concerns, go ahead and email us. Uh, show topics, ideas things that you'd like to hear on the show and if you are listening online because you can't find us on a local station let's fix that we're syndicated we can be on any local station that you're listening to reach out to your local station manager tell them that you want to hear georgiacarry.org radio on their station and have them email us at radio at georgiacarry.org and we will get in contact with them and help to get that going so jesse we're up to the good the bad and the ugly what is the good for this week the good this week there's a there's a report from colorado where they have had campus carry for 12 years we're trying to get this situated in Georgia. It was supposed to be passed last year, but it was apparently over overlooked by the, the governor's law writers. So we are working on that in Georgia. But in Colorado, they've had it since 2003. And would you believe there hasn't been a single mass shooting at any other campuses? 
And they haven't had a single issue with a person carrying the weapons on the campus. Tim looks shocked. So (laughs) all all the things that they're telling us are going to happen if we allow people to carry on campus. Oh, that's a horrible idea. None of that has come to fruition in Colorado, which I say blows their argument completely out of the water. Wow. Now, the bad, the bad I I know myself this week, and and it is a very important bad topic because we here at GeorgiaCarry.org Radio have compassion for other people's feelings. And when they are having a hard time, we want to reach out to console and comfort them in their distress. So, what I would mail a box of Kleenex to the White House right now, but I'm afraid they'll get really angry because, you know, they get real weird about that. So, apparently. Barack Obama, our lovely president, has not given up on gun control. He's pretty upset that he hasn't been able to pass more gun control laws since Sandy Hook. Didn't didn't you tell me he was, quote-unquote, heartbroken? That's what he claims to be on ABCnews.com. Wow. So we feel so bad for you, President Obama. We, we, I, I was actually trying to compose a song to help cheer you up to the tune of What Becomes of the Brokenhearted, but Jesse threatened to hurt me. So I'm not <laughs> going to do that this week. Uh, my instead, exact words were not hurt you. I, I told you to shut up because you were getting on my nerves in the car. <laughs> so uh, we are just going to offer our sincere condolences in your failed attempts to take away people's rights and to further uh, burden their ability to defend themselves against the real criminals in this country and as for the ugly i'd like to invite jerry henry to mm. pipe in here well what i thought was ugly this week is uh in colorado the legislator they uh, came up with a bill as you know after uh, sandy hook uh, they passed magazine uh limits all ar-15s ak-47s anything can't have more than 15 rounds a republican uh, representative introduced a bill that would remove the 15-round limit and bring it back to 30. Well, anybody who has one of those rifles knows that that's what it's sold in it. You don't have to go get anything special. And plus the fact they didn't outlaw the existing ones. If you had one, you could keep it. The only problem is how do you you prove that you had it? You know, the same thing. But at any rate, this bill was introduced, had a good chance of passing, and one of the national gun groups who is an all or nothing, no compromise, was against the bill, came out against the bill, and basically got it quashed because they wanted all restrictions lifted. And one of the things that I said is in Georgia, I can have a 100-round magazine for my, AK, uh, my AR-15 if I want to, but I don't. And probably 99.9% of the people who own one don't have one. No. So we're going to say, nope, you got to stay right where you are. Instead of allowing them to go back to 30 rounds. Now, I think that's ridiculous, and there's good YouTubes on there. You can look up Dave Koppel, and you'll see him tell that uh, the reason he feels that that way about it is because that national organization will lose some of their fundraising ability if they don't if they're not able to say that your rights are being taken away from you. And see, I feel like it's better to creep along in traffic towards my house than it is to sit in a standstill and watch all the traffic going southbound pass by me. Well, I agree. And what if you're what if you're in a situation where you have to defend yourself with AR-15 and there's 14 people there, you better be a good shot because you're going to run out of shells before you get through all of them. You know, there there is something to be said that the the best way to get rid of bad laws is their strict enforcement. And I think that you know there there is a certain logic to saying, well, you know, if you really want to get rid of a law, 
make it as bad as possible and they will and enforce it and people right. will cry out against it but the problem with that in this instance is that these laws aren't really being enforced <laughs> uh, it, it hurts manufacturers it hurts a certain subsect because they have to do different packaging pack different mags for sale in different places try to jump around through all these hoops but for the average person they're not going to be able to prove whether or not your magazine was pre or post or in between and it just right. it's not the sort of law that gets enforced it's the sort of law that conditions people to think that this law is okay right. so what happens it, when a person gets charged with this when they had theirs pre I would, they're not going to be able to prove that they had it pre it's they're, be very well, difficult the 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 burden of proof is always on the government, so the government will have to prove that it is not a pre-magazine, so the government will never be able to make its case. I would bet, I, I haven't done any research, so I'm going out on a limb here, but I would bet that there has not been a single arrest or prosecution under that statute in oh, I don't think there has. Colorado. I because think there has. it's just, the, the point of it isn't really to actually enforce a law, it's to condition people to think about this kind of law being acceptable. It also hurt the uh, economic uh, portion of Colorado because Magpul left Colorado over and went to Texas. Have they so, actually got out of Colorado now? I've heard I, various things. I don't know. I think they did. I know they were going to. They announced it. But I see a lot of these gun manufacturers moving to Texas and Tennessee for some reason, the two T states. And Georgia. Don't there forget Georgia. 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 Yes. We've yeah. got some good economic things so, going on was here. Was it Beretta that was going to Tennessee right outside of Nashville, right. I believe? they were. H and K came here. I think C Z was planning a plant somewhere in the southeast. And we have Glock already. Yeah. 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 So So Um folks uh, we are at the end of our show, and I think that it, we can all thank Mr. Bearden for coming in today and thank Jerry Henry for being here yet again. This was a fantastic opportunity and we really appreciate your input. I just got uh, one question. Being here. I just got one question. Got any more plans for the future? I would hope my political future is not over. I see some things, hopefully, in the future that we'll be looking at Good. very closely. And see, I've got to ask him the question Good. we like to ask all the guests. Okay, here he comes. Glocker 1911. I know everyone likes the 1911, but I've always carried a Glock. Oh. It was. We finally got a Glock guy after eight weeks. <laughs> so uh, he carried one as a placement for a long time. Yeah, you get kind of accustomed to it on, in law enforcement. That's what they've got. It was always there beside me the whole way. So uh, gotta be loyal to the one that took sure. me to the dance. It's Ab- seen you through a lot of bad Tim. times, right? <laughs> and and you know you've been such a great friend of GeorgiaCarry.org that we'll even overlook that oversight. So folks, uh, thank you for joining us this week, and we will be back next week right here on your local station. You've been listening to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio. This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8, right here on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.